0: Welcome to Foresight Friday Roundup, Foresight Health's podcast series for healthcare revolutionaries. Outcomes matter, customers count, and value rules. Hello again, everyone. This is Dave Berta, news editor at Foresight Health. It is Friday, October 22nd. My wife hit our Halloween candy, so if you have any mini Snickers, DM me. I would really appreciate it. On today's episode of the Roundup, we're going to talk about health not health as in health, but health as in HLTH, the big digital healthcare conference that took place in Boston this week. Specifically, we're going to talk about the event itself held during a global pandemic and major themes from the event that tell us where healthcare is headed. To share all the knowledge that they absorbed from the event are Dave Johnson, founder and CEO of Foresight Health, and Julie Merchinson, partner at Transformation Capital. Hi, Dave. Hi, Julie. How are you guys doing this morning? Everyone uh, back home safe and sound? Dave? Back home
1: and recovering. You know, I feel like I've just gotten back from a kick-ass New Year's Eve party, so a combination of elated and tired at the same time.
0: (laughs) Uh, That's a great analogy. Julie, how about you?
2: I have to say it was so energizing to be at HLTH, but every night when I crawled into bed, I felt so exhausted. So it's it's definitely a, a tough one.
0: Yeah, definitely a high energy event. Now, before we talk about HLTH, the event and HLTH, the healthcare industry bellwether, Tell me about your best unscripted moment from the conference or from just hanging out in Boston. Dave, what made you do a double take?
1: Well, it wasn't really unscripted, but it's the first conference I've ever been to that had a dog pen. And I wondered where all those dogs came from. The other thing I thought was cool were all the food trucks with the different food types available for lunch. You could go to any food truck, get what you wanted, and the conference picked it up. So dogs and food, pretty basic stuff.
0: Yeah, but very unique. Thanks, Dave. Julie, how about you? What raised your eyebrows?
2: Well, I don't know that a lot raised my eyebrows at the conference, since I was one of the hangers-on who was in meetings outside the conference. Don't tell, Jonathan. But I was most struck by actually seeing people in person who I had never met in person. And even though I saw a lot of people I'd seen, have known for years, seeing folks like you, Berta, yeah, fantastic, made my entire day.
0: No, I agree. It was great to meet you in person too. Thank you. For me, it was Liz Fowler's dog walking on camera during her live virtual general session panel discussion on innovation. Fowler, as you guys know, is the director of the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Innovation at CMS. Her dog quietly moseyed into her room twice on camera. Fowler smiled and said that she hoped the mailman didn't come right then. So I thought that was pretty funny. You know, and you thought government bureaucrats weren't real people. Well, at least they have dogs. So there you go. Okay, let's talk about the health conference, and let's start with the event itself. Dave, what did you like or not like about this year's health event in terms of location, logistics, service, things like that? And what grade would you give the event and why? (laughs) Well,
1: I was just dumbfounded that health pulled this off with the numbers of people that came Over 6,500 people registered for the live event, another 1,000 or so for virtual. So they actually had their largest attendance ever. And they showed us how to do it. You know, 4,000 people got tested before going into the hall. And it wasn't always a smooth running machine. But I didn't hear a single person complain. So I they're going to get an a plus for me just for pulling it off and pulling it off with some style you know they don't they don't do anything
0: uh low budget or on the cheap right yeah
1: yeah they don't do anything low budget they really uh, go for the glory in everything they do i was glad that we didn't have the rolling stones at uh, eight o'clock in the morning with the with the pounding bass going on to kick off the morning sessions the exhibit floor was substantially larger this year than in past years. I think that means that that was probably a revenue play. And we all know that health is uh, BC funded and is going to sell at some point. So that was new and different. There was, as Julie said, it, it almost had a JP Morgan feel to it. There were all kinds of people running around outside the conference doing deal making and making connections and so on. And but I'd say overall, my biggest impression is kind of what Julie said. It was just good to be back am- among our people again. I hadn't been to a conference since March of 2020. And the last time our whole team had been together, Dave, as you know, was for health in 2019 in Vegas. So it's almost like I woke up from a rip Van winkle-like sleep back to where we once were. It's- Not exactly the same, and we're not all the way back, and everybody was wearing masks. And they even had wristbands to see whether you should hug somebody, fist bump somebody, or keep away. But I don't know. They showed us how to get it done, and and kudos to them for that.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. Lots of smiles everywhere. Julie, what did you think of the event in terms of venue? And more importantly, did it work for you and what you were there for?
2: Well, as I just stated, I really spent a couple of days in the Omni right across the street and not in the event venue itself. So the Omni, I will say, is unbelievably gorgeous. And if anyone finds themselves in Boston and needing to be anywhere near that Seaport Wharf area, just stay at the Omni. The place is amazing. Great place for meetings. The Omni had a, a great flair for the evening cocktailers, that's for sure. And I'll say on the con side, the restaurant and bar service was horrendous. I mean, talk about slow in every single way. Just not ready, I think, for big numbers again in any way. Uh, Dave, you mentioned the wristbands made me chuckle because I looked at those and I thought, oh, I totally want a hugs wristband. <laughs> I wanted to steal one. And here's what I think. Vegas is just a waste of time. Keep it in Boston. The proximity of the Westin, the Omni, even the Renaissance and that convention center are incredible. There are a couple other great rooftop venues right along the water, about a mile away. And everything seemed exceedingly convenient and walkable, even, you know, evening venues for cocktail parties and dinner. So I think Boston's where it's at.
0: Yeah, it was very walkable with everything so close. So yeah, it was a great place to host, what, five, 6,000 people. Thanks, Julie. Dave, anything to add to Julie's comments?
1: The only thing that I'd add is having lived in Boston for a few years way back. It took me a while just to get acclimated to that seaport area. I mean, wide streets, tall buildings, everything brand new. It almost had nothing intrinsic about Boston to speak for. it. You know, if you squinted, you could have been in Dallas. But that's also part of the reason it worked was, you know, it's, it's all brand new and laid out well and convenient. I did take a five-mile run on Tuesday morning in through Southie, which used to be a pretty hard scrabble neighborhood. That's the opposite direction of downtown. And it was spectacular. I mean, running all around the shipping area and the great water views, and they've created parks and so on. And it's just kind of remarkable to see the transformation that part of Boston's gone through. So great place.
0: Yeah, real renaissance. Thanks, Dave. Now let's talk about some of the major themes that came out of the event. Julie, did you pick up on any common priorities from the people you talked with? What do those priorities tell you about what's gonna happen to healthcare in the next five years?
2: Yeah, I spent my few days there talking predominantly to innovative companies, of which there were hundreds if not thousands there, and some of the largest and most innovative health plans, health systems, and life science companies. And I'll say this, large players are digging in, whether it's large players commercializing concepts that the industry has been talking about for years, or some of the big guys reloading their investment pipeline, given the returns they've made over the last 12 months. They're very much giving off the appearance of being in the game. On the flip side, I saw a lot of me too's. There are a number of very cool companies that have emerged in the last year And I think I heard of another four or five of those same kinds of companies hanging around health. So we're very quickly seeing some me-toos coming through the innovation pipeline. I'm starting to hear a whisper of platforms that are really coming to organize the exploding point solutions. Of course, we heard a lot about TransCarent. Accolade was really the front runner in some of this. And Solera is another up-and-comer in the health plan space. So platforms are coming. And a lot of these are really member navigators or guidance approaches, which I think is fantastic. We need more data-informed, smart ways of getting people the virtual or hybrid services they need. I started to hear a lot more about digital and life science, which is exciting. Sounds like Ken Frazier talked a lot about that. And obviously with the vaccines, how they are produced, how we're actually kind of learning very quickly how to keep evolving those. It's great to see more discussion in that area. I also heard about a couple of new funds forming. So, with all the capital flowing into the market, forming new funds right now, it's interesting to hear that. But people are, you know, just dying to put more money into the space, which maybe is a really good statement about people's optimism for the next decade. And last but not least, I'm going to give a shout out to one of our favorite listeners, Jan Berger, who's been leading the pack on trust because she had a book signing for her new book called Reengaging in Trust. And, uh, I think trust is a lot more of what we're going to need to make this next decade work.
0: Got it. It sounds like there's no bubble in sight. That's great. Dave, what recurring themes did you pick up from the sessions that you attended and the people you talked with? How do those themes differ from the themes from 2019 when the health conference was in Las Vegas?
1: Julie gave just, I thought, a terrific outside in. So I guess it's my role to do the inside out. But I will say, Julie, that I think the Me Too's go with all the extra funding and <laughs> you know, the money's got to find some place to go and people have their baskets open to try to catch it. I would say a dominant theme almost across every presentation I listen to. And of course, you can only see a slice of the presentations because the agenda is so expansive was health equity and access. It infiltrated virtually every session, almost to the point where it felt like an obligatory topic to bring up. So that was a very, very dominant theme. Since we were in Boston, the capital of the life sciences industry, and given everything that's happened in COVID in terms of getting the vaccines ready and out and in the arms of people, there was a big life sciences presence the CEO of Moderna spoke on the main stage and got an impromptu standing ovation for their work during the pandemic. So, a big, big life sciences theme, also a big retail theme Walmart and CVS and Amazon were on display and, and prominently talking about consumerism healthcare and healthcare and what it means to really solve healthcare problems that people have and i've kind of wondered what what big retail was going to do in healthcare but i think in some ways they're going to show the way they understand implicitly what it is to meet customer needs and we just aren't doing that the system just isn't doing that right now and there was a lot of very impressive discussion about strategies and programs and partnerships Uh, And I'll end with one thing, there there was not a big provider presence, at least in the speaking part of the stage that I saw, but I did get to see the CEO, Mayo, give a presentation. And he talked about moving from a pipeline to a platform way of doing things, which I thought was pretty interesting. So fewer point solutions, more integrated, and kind of gets to Julie's point on platforms too. I think we're finally getting companies with the breadth and capability to pull together these platforms with complementary services that can using technology really solve everyday people's everyday problems in in healthcare.
0: Thanks Dave, you're sounding very uh, half full today. How <laughs> long is it after glow going to last?
2: Not long. <laughs>
1: Uh, just until I hear somebody talking about revenue cycle again. I mean, one thing that ha- one thing that has not changed since 2019 is the percentage of healthcare that's still delivered in fee-for-service payment vehicles, and we got to kill that puppy. Uh, there's a lot of talk about it again.
0: Okay, that's better. All right, <laughs> Julie, how about you? Any anything to add to Dave's comments?
2: Well, I'm going to steal from uh, someone I talked to from Walmart, actually, who's abroad working for Walmart. He was surprised to, that there was really no big discussion of interoperability on a lot of the panels. And then I thought to myself, well, that is sort of interesting. And his commentary was that a lot of social issues, it seems like a lot of, you know, gosh, what if we could do X instead of how do we do Y? So, you know, I think we all still think that there's a level of interoperability that is undone. We are not yet complete, but sounds like that wasn't a big focus. And then the second thing I'll just say is that something that you never hear talked about ever because no one wants to think about it is that just wretched phrase, durable medical equipment.
0: TME. <laughs> <laughs> Not frequently
2: discussed. Yeah. Right. Who wants to talk about DME, But I saw a really interesting company that is really trying to rethink, organize, and simplify how home-based DME works. And I just love when I meet entrepreneurs who go after spaces that no one else wants to touch. Awesome.
0: That's really true. You don't think about that, but that's really key to making that hospital-at-home model work, right? Having the right stuff in the right place. That's right. Thanks, Julie. Now, if I were to do a word cloud from health like you did, Julie, uh, last week when we talked about Amazon's Digital Health Accelerator, I would say equity, scalable, partnerships, mental health, and seamless. That seemed to permeate every session I was at. So let's see who can check off all those boxes first. We'll see. All right, now let's talk briefly about other big healthcare news that happened this past week while we were all working hard in Boston. Julie, what other news caught your eye and why?
2: Well, for me, it was a combination of talking to, gosh, at least a half a dozen people who said... Well, what's TransCarent really doing anyway? Does anyone know what TransCarent's really doing? What's TransCarent doing? <laughs> and of course, <laughs> right in the middle of the week, TransCarent drops a big announcement with Walmart where they're teaming up to make Walmart services available to other self-insured employers through TransCarent's platform, things like pharmacy and optical and telehealth and behavioral and other healthcare services. So I don't know if this press release answered any more of what Transparents are really doing, but I think we're seeing a lot of big news there about how they're trying to really drive costs down.
0: Yeah, that made a splash. Thank you. Dave, what blip appeared on your healthcare radar this week? Julie, I'm still chuckling about uh, DME and
1: going DME, PPE, M-O-N-E-Y, you know, like Mickey Mouse. And that was one thing that was definitely running through the whole health conference is just how much money there is in healthcare and how many people are out there chasing it. And speaking of money, one thing I'm going to have my eye on is the Babylon public offering, which is coming up in the not too distant future. And that's a very interesting company. It's raised a lot of money, been around for a while, but is fully focused on full risk contracting. So our kind of revolutionary.
0: No, yeah, sounds good. We'll watch for that. For me, it was the survey from NPR, Robert Wood Johnson and Harvard That said most people were satisfied with their telemedicine visits, but most people would prefer to see their doctor or nurse in person, you know, patients, they'll drive you nuts. (laughs) (laughs) So the
1: question is, Dave, are they willing to pay three
0: times as much for it? (laughs) That's
2: that's,
0: the that's a great question, Dave. <laughs> that is it. Yeah. That, that's a good point. All right. Thanks, Dave. And thank you, Julie. That is all the time we have for today. If you'd like to learn more about the topics we discussed, please visit our website at foresighthealth.com. You also can find a recording of this podcast and all our podcasts on the Healthcare Now radio network, iTunes, Spotify, and other streaming services. Subscribe now and don't miss another segment of the best 20 minutes in healthcare. Thanks for listening. I'm Dave Berta for Foresight Health.